good news when it comes to suicide. But there are things that can be done. This act is aimed at young people. It gives the states grants to set up mental counseling in high schools, to do outreach on college campuses, and education about suicide to those who might be near someone who would be close to committing suicide. So that's Chuck Schumer. He's the minority leader in the Senate for the Democrats. He's a New Yorker. There were a couple of high-profile celebrity New York suicides last week. I didn't know these people. Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. I'm I'm unfamiliar with these people. I guess they're a big deal to some. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Anthony Bourdain, yeah, big cultural icon, really. I I love Traveling the world, eating wacky food, sir. I didn't know his act. But uh, when I first heard Schumer uh, say that, I thought, well, this is typical politicians. This is a big story. I'm going to act like I have a solution to it, throw it out there. Kind of cynical. They do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I won't actually do anything. Right. Uh, but then I was reading more about the CDC report that came out last week. And I was thinking, you know, Chuck Schumer goes on to say, we have more deaths from suicides than we have deaths from car wrecks. We talk about how to reduce car wrecks all the time. We never talk about suicides for some reason. I mean, we don't make it a giant deal. We make, we make car wrecks a giant deal. Every day we talk about it, practically. And trillions of dollars invested in preventing Yeah. So last week, the CDC re- released these numbers Although on suicide. Although you people are still driving along texting, aren't you? What's the matter with you? Sorry, back to suicide. Suicide is up this century 30%. So in 18 years, it's up 30%. Oh, that's right. This is a different century than the last century. Yes. That's impossible. That it's a different century? It's no, just, that's just that it's numbers. up 30%. Just the way numbers work. No, no. That's a shocking rise. It is shocking, and it's up across uh, everything. Both sexes, all racial and ethnic groups, all urbanization levels. Rural people, big city people, everything in between. And this is studying Americans? Yes, okay. in the United States. This is the one thing bringing us together as a country? Yeah. Offing ourselves? Um. It's mostly middle-aged men and women. I mean, that's the biggest jump. As I said, it's up for everyone, which is really troubling. Yeah. I mean, when that happens, you got to recognize something's going on, don't you? Sure. When, it, when it spans everything? Yes. I mean, the social media and the young thing is horrific and tragic. We've talked about it a lot, but that feels like a particular thing. If it's everybody then that's an entirely different framework to be looking at. Certain groups, such as middle-aged men and women, are more at risk. Their numbers are up even more. Middle-aged adults had the largest number of suicides and a particularly high increase in suicide rates. Um, No group is exempt for the rise in suicide rates except those over 75. Once you made it to 75, apparently you just think, you know what? I'm kind of accepting this is this is what it is. Right. So there were a couple of articles about it over the weekend. Um, agree or disagree with them. The one with the, that's got the headline uh, with Anthony Bourdain's picture on it. Our culture assumes happiness is the normal condition. Why do we do that? Which I thought was kind of interesting. Hmm. Disappointment is a uniquely human condition. The flip side of our capacity for creativity and invention. Only humans dream things that never were and say, why not? As George Bernard Shaw famously put it, obviously other animals don't think, you know, dogs don't think, and I still haven't learned to catch a frisbee or whatever. All right, you know, you got some raccoon. I was sure there would be really good garbage here. I've planned my life on there being great garbage here. Um, to be unhappy enough to end it all, a person must first imagine a condition of greater happiness that they than they've got, 
and then lose hope that that greater happiness will ever be achieved again. That's what this person says. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Listen, these are difficult lines to draw, but if you have severe depression, then the reality of it and your expectations and the rest of it well, that's really you're seeing it through a, a lens of an inaccurate lens, a, a, a dark, terrible lens. I may have jumped over a portion of the setup in, in saying that I think a third of the uh, the suicides that happen every year are ever diagnosed with the mental health thing. Mm-hmm. So some people are saying, OK, well, we're just not diagnosing all the people with clinical depression. Others are saying there's more going on than clinical depression. Fair enough. Um, and we don't actually know that the answer to that. This article was was going on the assumption that there's 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 a certain amount to do with just expectations of life that is out of whack right uh, a strong case can be made that modern society does a poor job of preparing 21st century humans for the inevitable ebb and flow of discontent there's no way you can argue that that's not happening whether or not it's leading to suicides i don't know right but the our, idea our parents, that you're supposed to be happy, joyful, and fulfilled in everything you do, and if you don't, you're doing it wrong, I mean, that's ludicrous. Our parents, and certainly our grandparents, would have thought life is supposed to be hard and really really tough and maybe miserable, and you hope for little breaks in that now and then. Right. As opposed Moments to the, of joy and pleasure. As opposed to the other way around, it's supposed to be, always be absolutely fantastic, and if, if it's ever not, well, then you've got a crisis on your hands. Right. Uninterrupted joy and pleasure, occasionally, uh, maybe you get a headache, at Br- worst. British therapist and philosopher James Davies has uh, buttressed this case formidably in their scholarly tome entitled The Importance... Yes, Sean, he said but. What seriously, son? What is the matter with you? I got to buttress more things. He's, he's <laughs> this guy's written two books. At least one of them I'm going to read. The importance of suffering, and I like the sounds of this one. Cracked. Why psychiatry is doing more harm than good. Oh, that gets to what I was talking about last week. I really feel like my older son, who has seen a therapist about his rough situation at home with his brother, I feel like it was doing more harm than good, and and just like I don't know, really putting an emphasis on. On, on the bad things. How, and how bad it is and yeah, I, how I, you're right to feel bad. and Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a I'm fine not, line. I'm not anti-therapy or any of that stuff. I just think that, well, this guy, he's an expert, says that focusing on it sometimes can make it worse. Davies argues that we have created a culture that assumes happiness to be the normal, healthy human condition. Deviations from this blissful, blissful path, like sadness, anxiety, disappointment, are thus treated as illnesses in search of a cure, as opposed to part of the human condition. Right. That's clearly happening. Again, I, whether or not that's contributing to suicides, I don't know. I'd like to call it Indian Casino Billboard Syndrome, where everybody gets the idea that you should be good-looking, well-dressed, and have your head thrown back in laughter at every moment. I say we, we require, we mandate that Indian casinos have one-third that, the young, sexy people throwing their head back and laughing, one-third Old Asian ladies hunched over a cigarette in a slot machine, spending their their uh, retirement money, and one third maybe fat people wandering around looking at the bright lights because that's the reality <laughs> of a casino. Life is not life is like the casino, not like the billboard. This harmful cultural belief that much of our everyday suffering is a damaging encumbrance, best best swiftly removed gets in the way of a more robust re- robust response. It's hard to follow me when I can't read. Let yeah, me can start you hit that, that sentence again? Yeah, it seems, I'll say it, it again. seems like it could have been good. I'll say it again with hopefully all the words correctly pronounced. Give you even a shot at understanding what I'm talking about. My tongue is going to leap off a bridge. This harmful cultural belief that much of our everyday suffering is a damaging encumbrance best swiftly removed 
gets in the way of a more robust response. Robust response. I almost made that it. That was so close. Second to last word. Namely, approaching unpleasant emotions as potentially productive experiences to be engaged with and learnt from. Right. As, yeah. Yeah. You know, well said. I don't know. And this person doesn't know either. But you, there's no doubt that that's going on. Again, does it lead to anybody committing suicide? I don't know. But there's no doubt that the younger you are, the more likely it is you've got a belief that you're supposed to be happy all the time and everything's just supposed to be fantastic. Right, right. And that, like, periods of being down or maybe even years of being down are just what every human being experiences. You know, I have a wrestling match in my own head at times these days. And maybe part of it is that I know some retired guys who seem to be pretty happy. But um, I have to remind myself, the beast feeds itself. If you are spending most of your time merely accumulating enough money to feed and medicate yourself, and you're not windsurfing off the South African coast and achieving some sort of orgasmic nirvana, all that, that's not a problem. If you spend a lot of your time just taking care of keeping yourself alive, and your you're not getting ones. cheated. Sorry? And your loved ones. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you have that responsibility. So, yeah. How many people get to the end of their lives who wouldn't say, and not only did I have periods that were really rough, I had years that were really rough. Is there anybody that gets to the end of their life who, who would, wouldn't say that? No. And how many of us think, I wish I hadn't had those tough years? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'm not sure they're all something you're happy about. Well, that, well, no, no, but they made you. Well, regardless, they're. They no, I'm just... not talking about you lost both your legs in a thresher accident and then you got pneumonia and were in bed for six months. Okay, getting... so we can't talk about my experiences then. Okay, Joe, <laughs> what experiences can we talk about? Well, I'm not. I'm not saying every individual humiliation and like eye injury is a valuable learning experience, and you should embrace it. But, every eye injury, but, you know. Come on, I'm so grateful I took that laceration. Well, my point is, at the very least, it's being a person. That's just what being a person is. Right. And we'd be better off, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be better off if you're 18 and you know, for the next 60 years, God willing, there are going to be years that are going to suck. Right. So if you know that going in, when you're in them, maybe it won't seem quite so catastrophic. I've cited that as the best advice I got getting into this industry, that it's going to be very hard and you'll be quite poor for a while. When's that end? Well, <laughs> and, and so when it was happening, I thought we're right on track. Right, and I yeah. still think, yeah. thank Dan Hughes. Uh, that was the name of the guy who gave me that advice. And it would be yeah, handy to, to, to hear about marriages or friendships or jobs or economic times or whatever else. There are going to be years that are awful. Yeah. Isn't that just true for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't think a lot of people are going into Well, God, you'd think somebody that's, well, again, now I'm narrowing it down to one person I was going to say, you'd think Anthony Bourdain wouldn't know that, but he might have just been clinically depressed and none of this has anything to do with him. Right. that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you hit us with Bourdain number three, and then we'll we'll wrap it up because we got a bunch of good stuff to get to. But I will find myself in an airport, for instance, and I'll order an airport hamburger. It's an insignificant thing. It's a small thing. It's a hamburger, yeah. but it's not a good one. Suddenly, I look at the hamburger and I find myself in a spiral of depression yes. that can last for days. Wow. There's the evil cheeseburger that sets me off. Yeah. The evil hamburger. Suddenly, I'm super depressed for days. It's like that with the good stuff, too. I have a couple of happy minutes there where I'm thinking, ah, oh, life is pretty good. 
Yeah, see, I'm not sure that's mm. what we're talking about. He might have something different going on. Maybe he just really, really likes hamburgers or liked. Uh, if you have any thoughts on our text line, 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. I thought that was pretty interesting for the New York Times to publish some columns going with that view. Yeah. That, you know, maybe people are just expecting life to be too happy. Which I don't know if it's true. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. How awkward would it be at this point in your life for your parents to see you naked? What is the last object that you got hit by? At what age do you think it's okay to scare a child? Do you plan for the end? Do rats freak you out? Do you think you could do your job stoned? Yeah. Have you ever had to toot your own horn? Yeah. Would you trust a robot to cook your food? Yeah. Has anyone ever interrupted <laughs> you in the bathroom? Yeah. Do you think claiming your pet peacock is your emotional support animal is going too far? Julie Chen of the Today Show is that uh, CBS the Some whatever the CBS yeah. yesterday this morning only today. idiots watch morning TV the early show right uh, that's funny <laughs> some of those I actually kind of felt like talking about some of them are really dumb <laughs> yeah one of yeah. those questions I answer yes to when was the last what was the last object you got hit with yes that, I'd have to think about that. Yeah. Well, it may have been. Frisbee, you know. Frisbee? No, I always catch those. Sam got Not hit me. in the face with a uh, cat dish. <laughs> I think he got a crack to his cheekbone. Oh, no. Yeah. Damn. So you're going to be all right? Yeah. There's nothing you do for that. You can't put a cast on your head. It just does. <laughs> no, I guess you can't. Mm. Wow. I hope the lad's all right. It's terrible. So that's the last thing he got hit with a cat dish. Oh, uh, do you remember this plucky young man uh, testifying before Congress, a red-haired, innocent, uh, befreckled, uh, really the face of American earnestness and youth and pluck and the rest of it, Mark Zuckerberg? Do you remember uh, old Mark in front of Congress? I was uh, was trying to kind of give you a hint that we needed that tape there, Sean. I was on the uh, page. Yeah, you're on the pot, and that's your problem. (laughs) Showing up to work visibly stoned. Yeah, can you pot. do your work stoned? Yeah, uh, maybe you should answer Julie Chen's question, huh? I consider us to be a technology company because the primary thing that we do is have engineers who write code and build products and services for other people that are out there. Are, are you the Antichrist, Senator? I'll have my team get back to you on that. I don't know the answer to that, Senator. I'll have my team get back to you. When we were mocking Zuckerberg's testimony... And declaring him a liar and a fake and a a perpetrator of frauds, we were not nearly cynical enough. Wall Street Journal, the weekend edition, how about this here? 
Facebook struck customized data sharing deals that gave select companies special access to user records well after the point in 2015 that the social network said it walled off that information. According to court documents, company officials, and people familiar with that with the matter. So all that stuff, we may have done that in the past, Senator, but that was a mistake. And there's nothing more important to us than protecting your privacy. So it's lies upon lies. It wasn't a mistake in the beginning. They, they claim it was just an oversight. And it was only Cambridge Analytica, Senator, that yeah. did this. Please don't take a look at the other ten thousand companies that also did it with our permission. Huh? As the guy, as the guy from, <laughs> as the guy from Cambridge Analytica told us on sixty Minutes, it was presented as a a benefit from Facebook to other people. This right. is the benefit you get of working with us as an app. You get all this information, so it was not a oh we didn't know that. Well, that was a mistake to, in the coding or something. To use the programming vernacular, this is not a bug. This is a feature. Yeah, right. exactly. They yeah. didn't meet like Tony Soprano next to the washing machine in the basement. So uh, can the people with the uh, thing uh, get us the thing about the other people? No, they were there. Uh, 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 folks, we can get you all the information on all our users and all our friends anytime you need it. So not only was it not a bug, it was a feature. <laughs> after they got caught, <laughs> after they got caught and claimed they stopped doing that. Oh, right. geez, I didn't realize we were doing that. And we'll we have walled that off since 2015. I wouldn't let my mother look at that data. Not ever. I'd <laughs> kill her before I'd let her lose with that data. So they Senator? kept doing it, and so it's lies upon lies. Right. It's, it's difficult for me to believe. I'm just such a sucker for certain looks. He looks innocent. He sounds innocent. But he's, he's white. He's clearly mm-hmm. he's clearly a conniving liar. Yes. In the same way as if he looked and sounded like Anthony Scaramucci. Yes, absolutely. He, he's, that, he's that kind of guy. He just doesn't look and sound like it. Yeah, and he is an absolute master of the fresh-faced innocence play. Uh, I, I would say he is one of the skilled deceivers and manipulators of our time. Wow. That's something. <laughs> Talking about Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Some of those in other agreements collectively known. I'm sorry. Can you play that? I feel like I'm drowning it out. Is that loud enough or what? Can everybody hear that? Some of those other uh, agreements, uh, collectively known internally as whitelists, also allowed certain companies to access additional information about a user's Facebook friends. That included information like phone numbers, a metric called friend length that measured the degree of closeness. Um, yeah, you, you always got to remember that, that it was set up so maybe you didn't download these apps because you were scared. But if your friends did, that was good enough because... They had access to you anyway. Exactly, yeah. Because you clicked the box that said you read the terms and conditions. Which, of course, is impossible. They show that Facebook gave special data access to a broader universe of companies than was previously disclosed. They also raise further questions about who has access to the data, the billions of Facebook users, etc., etc. To his credit, he uh, he handled it well in front of Congress because Congress, you know, forgot about it, didn't follow up. Played them like the tools they are. Yeah. That's something. Um, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Singapore Summit just hours from now with high hopes on all sides. And De Niro dropping F-bombs at the Tonys gets a standing O. Yeah, if you haven't heard this, yeah, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We're
We got a lot of interesting texts about the whole suicide thing. Maybe we'll get to those. Maybe we won't, depending on how the flow of the show is going. I'm not sure we're going to have time, because I really need to send a message to eddiebauer.com. Mr. Bauer, sir, if you are going to entice me into shopping clearance items by my size, which happens to be extra large, I would thank you to show me clothes in that size. If I were to perhaps click and then find a delightful quarter zip all weather wind shirt that I found very attractive and then found out you only have it in small and triple extra large, (laughs) I would be disappointed. I am neither 110 pounds nor 400 pounds. Do not entice me to shop on your website and then offer me clothes that are fit for heroin addicts and food giants. I'm a fairly normal sized guy. Get your act together, Eddie. So their their get you into the store thing only exists for children and circus freaks. <laughs> well, they told me specifically I could shop by my size. That ain't it. That's a hell of a long way from it. You know, me getting into a a small or a triple XL are going to involve terrible diseases like life ending diseases. And I'm not that. Thank God I'm not in that situation. Mm. Lion bastards. (laughs) Wow. Edward Bauer. Uh, Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, North Korean leader Kim Jong Un is taking a walk. He's out of his luxurious hotel for a late night city tour hours ahead of his summit with President Trump. Hours from now, Trump and Kim will start off their meeting, their special meeting, one-on-one. Just they, those two and their translators. The Trump administration. Just the, the four of them? Yes. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That is will anybody a fascinating be, thing. Can you even pull that off? Will anybody be listening in, either either North Korean spies or U.S. spies or Soviet Russian spies or God, something? I, I doubt it. And I assume these translators can be trusted, but there may be no leaks ever. It may go down in history as the as the the secret meeting, the meeting of mystery. Trump administration officials telling reporters in Singapore the two leaders are going to be meeting alone before the larger meeting that will include officials from both sides. No word on how long that private meeting could last at this point. Meanwhile, you got second- it's there's no doubt. I've said this before. While other presidents may have had. Uh, you know, experiences that Donald Trump has has not that were a great benefit to him. When's the last time we had a president who's who's sat down to more big time negotiations than Donald Trump? A lot of people had Barack Obama ever had one in his life other than negotiating the price of a house? No. No. Right. I mean that that's a benefit that he's done that before. Well, and as his the fabulous Mike Lyons pointed out when we were chatting with him earlier, it has included uh, well, to expand on what Mike was saying, heads of state, governors, billion, multi-billionaires who laugh when governors ask them to do something, mobsters of the highest level, union goons, every stripe of human being, and, and power broker. So that's got to be helpful. You know, there are aspects to his quote-unquote deal-making that I think are just dumb and Trumpian, and he could be better at it, but, you know, what do I know? Meanwhile, the president did shake up the uh, weekend Group of Seven meeting in Canada by agreeing to a group statement on trade, only to withdraw it while flying to Asia. Trump said he was blindsided by Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's criticism of his tariff threats at the summit-ending news conference Trudeau held. Canadians 
We're polite, we're reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. Boy, that set uh, Trump off. He was tweeting, PM Justin Trudeau of Canada acted so meek and mild during our G7 meetings only to give a news conference after I left saying U.S. tariffs were kind of insulting and he will not be pushed around very dishonest and weak. You know, old boy band uh, Trudeau is a bit of a fancy pants, if you ask me. I mean, I get Trump's uh, point. But, well, and I I appreciate the the bare-fisted trade negotiations Trump's engaging in right now. I think it's smart, and I think it's going to yield really, really good results. I, I honestly have faith in that. On the other hand, invoking national security to say why we have to, you know, stick it to Canada... Canada's like our best friend in the world. It's like me telling my wife that I need a security card because she's sleeping <laughs> next to me. I mean, it's it's uh, it's an odd step in the relationship. Actor Robert De Niro sent CBS censors scrambling for the bleep button during their live broadcasts of Broadway's Tony Awards last night. De Niro coming out and profanely blasting President Trump from the stage. I'm going to say one thing. Trump. Standing O continues. So is there? It's no longer down with Trump. It's Trump. Is there any honest political analyst who doesn't think that helps Trump? Oh, it's clear to me. It's absolutely clear. And we are the only. You know, listen to me talking about Trump today. There's this that I think is wonderful. There's that. I'm thinking, what the hell were you thinking? But there's one way to solidify support for Trump. It's to have the elite of the elite of the intellectual community uh, tell us how awful he is and only morons would vote for him. Right. We got a, a couple of texts on this or tweets on this topic of people saying, I was a never Trumper and it makes me want to vote Trump in 2020. Yeah. And that's absolutely going to happen. And then there's this angle of it, this tweet. Robert De Niro yells F. Trump on stage at this year's Tony Awards, effectively destroying President Trump's much-ballyhooed musical theater fan base. This spells trouble for the 2018 midterms. <laughs> That's great. Golden State Warriors complete the sweep, beating the Cavaliers 108-85 in Game 4 on Friday in Cleveland. They took the NBA Finals after the game. Cavs' LeBron James left to ponder his impending free agency. When I decide what I'm going to do with my future, uh, you know, my family and, and the folks that have been with me for the last, you know, 20 years pretty much will have a say-so. And then it ultimately will come down to me, so we'll see what happens. That's a tough one. Hometown, kids in school, all his friends around there. Clearly you can't keep playing with those jokers, though. I mean... <laughs> Uh, positive, Sean. What are the chances he just uh, makes the Cleveland management with the team into shape? What are the chances he goes? Uh, I, Briefly. I, I think he's gone. I don't think he plays again in Cleveland. All right. That was brief. They, they fired the guy he liked the most. I mean, that is such an FU. That'd be hard to swallow. Yeah. Not only is the team bad, the ownership said, we don't even care what you think. All right. I, I know how I would react to yeah, that. Me too. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Oh, they they not only fired the guy LeBron wanted as the general manager, they didn't tell LeBron first. Right. He heard about it in the press. You can't 
do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge diss of uh, the great man. My long shot wild card of where he ends up is with the San Antonio Spurs. Well, wouldn't that be something? He and Pop have a lot of uh, history with their international. Pop is uh, big in the international. That's the, like, uh, the head coach Greg Popovich yes, for non-sports yes. uh, fans. And they could both never Trump tweet all day long. They'd oh, like that. Boy. And, and Popovich was very good at elongating Tim Duncan's career towards the end with the man- managing of minutes, and et cetera, et cetera. That's some good analysis. Um, that'd make it exciting if you had... Uh, LeBron in the Western Conference, no doubt about it. Because I think in the back of his mind, he's trying to play long enough to be in the league at the, as the same time as his son, which is about four or five years. Wow. So we got um, uh, a scientist who was a pothead saying, let's slow down on everything that's good with pot talk. Dudes. Which is kind of interesting. We can take a look at that. And I didn't get to my Panera news yet. Maybe okay. uh, uh, burn one down. Panera Bread? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the big uh, restaurant chain. Okay. Burn one down, get yourself a nice uh, soup and salad, sit down, we'll uh, bring that to you. On the suicide topic, we got one of the best up with life quotes I've ever seen. Wow, Maybe let's I'll hit do you that. at least with that. Panera can wait. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. I hear this song blasting out of my son's room on his Alexa several times a day. This is jam. So uh, how many of these do you want? You tell me. These texts about the whole suicide up 30% since the turn of the century. Is it a rash of unrealistic expectations? Brain Uh, chemistry change. What? Hormones in the water. As several people pointed out, social media, a lot of people think social media plays a role, especially with young people. I think it does. How about even older people? The the idealized view of life we get through Facebook from everybody. Comparison being the thief of joy, as Positive Sean has uh, shared with us, right? Uh, We got this text. I will always hold suicide as a viable, legitimate option. I don't find other people telling me to be happy, grateful, hopeful even. I don't find that helpful. Suicide has a place in the utility. Try to decrease the numbers. Sure, it's not for everyone, but it does have a place. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a um, topic starter right there. We got one. Definitely got to throw this out since the New York Times went the other way in the article. Mine was mental illness. I had a variety of anxiety disorders. I tried to kill myself. Luckily survived. Got on the right medicine. Everything's fine. Surely, wow. you know, medical thing. Yeah. I agree with both those people, obviously. That's a mixed message, say idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but then we got this text, which I really liked. Life is more ordinary than extraordinary, which is true. I love this quote about life, this person says, and I quote, Anyone who imagines that bliss is normal is going to waste a lot of time running around shouting that he's been robbed. The fact is that most putts don't drop. Most beef is tough. Most children go up to be just like people. Most successful marriages require a high degree of mutual toleration, and most jobs are more often dull than otherwise. Wow, amen to that. Life is just like an old-time rail journey. Delays, sidetracks, smoke, dust, cinders, and jolts, interspersed only occasionally by a beautiful vista and thrilling bursts of speed. The trick is to thank the Lord for letting you have the ride. Gordon B. Hinckley. Oh, yes. Who I didn't know who that was. The uh, longtime leader of the uh, LDS Church. Most children grow up to be just like people. That's really well put. I love that. Amen to that. (laughs) Oy vey. 
If you're lucky, they grow up to be just yeah, like people. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, thought I'd be done worrying at this point, as I've made clear, but uh, in in the past, but I'm not. Uh, wow, that's good stuff. Is there more? Um, I can't. You know, I think that's enough. <laughs> that's my feeling. That's enough of that. <laughs> uh, so listen to this, would you please? This is unbelievable. I can't. How how does this continue happening? Well, I, Denver, Colorado. Mom takes her six-year-old and her four-year-old out to uh, sell lemonade on Memorial Day. Oh, God. She's trying to teach him business, et cetera, et cetera. He gets a little toy cash register that he got when he was about two or three. All I hear is cute and charming, but there must be a dark underside, Uh, underbelly. uh, uh, Play the scary music, Michael. He was also learning about the value of money and practicing his addition and subtraction skills. But their beautiful plan wasn't to bear fruit. Yeah, no kidding. Half an hour into their business venture, cops arrived. Police officers came over. They said that because my boys and I did not have a permit for a lemonade stand, they shut us down and they had to stop immediately. So the question is, well, there's a couple questions. I can't believe the police actually show up to these things, that they don't make an excuse. Yeah, I got to go check on the the homeless camp or something before they get around to this. Because, you know, I've been uh, a kid with a lemonade stand and I've seen kids with lemonade stands. They hang around for like an hour max before they realize they're not going to make enough money to buy that Lego set right away or they get distracted. (laughs) Whatever. It goes away. It's not a problem. It's not worth sending the fuzz. Secondly, somebody had to call the police. Who was that? There was some sort of like arts and crafts fair nearby and the guy selling fresh squeezed artisan lemonade probably complained. (laughs) Oh my. Yeah, I know. So the cops think Failing to do what you suggested, which is a perfectly reasonable idea. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, somebody getting murdered uh, over there on uh, 4th Street. So, uh, yeah, we'll come back if we get a chance. Come on, coppers! Do you think the kids so are going to... they gonna... busted them. They made them take it down. You think the kids are going to set up all day, all day and start to put the local 7-Eleven out of business? They'd open every single day. Yeah, exactly. Getting... Start selling bad hot dogs <laughs> off a of rotisserie and... <laughs> The antifreeze and the no, rest of it. They're going to be yeah. open for like a, an hour at the max. Realize it's boring. They're not making much money. Made the kids cry. Drink all the lemonade and go back to whatever they were doing. Yeah. But this is a real thing. Michael, I'm going to play some audio. Could you flip a couple of switches? This is a real thing from the folks at uh, Country Time Lemonade. You're going to miss a couple of visuals here, but that's all right. Listen to this, would you? Around the country, kids are getting busted for running lemonade stands. Bunch of headlines. Entrepreneurship. Good work habits. Good old-fashioned fun. Shut down because of old, arcane, but very real laws. <laughs> the kids like Autumn Thomason. My lemonade stand got shut down because I didn't have a permit. It was unfair. She's six. It's happening everywhere. No, seriously, look it up. But this summer, things are going to be different. Because Country Time is introducing Legal Aid, a crack team, ready to straighten out lemonade stand-related permits and fines, making sure no kid is denied their right to a lemonade stand and all the benefits they bestow. If you have a problem with your lemonade stand, the offices of Country Time Legal Aid are ready to take a stand for you. Tastes like justice. When life gives you arcane laws, make lemonade. We're here for you. So seriously, countrytimelegalaid.com. If your kid gets busted or fined or something, they'll send lawyers to fight it and pay the fines. How do the police? What great PR. Brilliant. 
How did the, how did the police not get into the whole letter of the law, spirit of the law thing on those and realize, you know, it's so somebody doesn't open up an actual illegal beverage place. Right. Whatever the hell Whatever that, that would means. be, but... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's not... The, the, whatever laws, zoning laws, and all that sort of stuff were put in place, were not to keep little kids from selling two glasses of watered-down lemon-flavored water. Exactly. cents a cup or whatever yeah. they're charging. Well, and, and inevitably, when we bring this up, somebody says, well, you know, that's to keep you safe from, you know, because you don't know what the kids are putting. Nah. Uh, number one, we all lost friends and family members. Number too. one, I lemonade. hate you. Oh, yeah, lemonade. <laughs> it's the new Vietnam. I um, still haven't seen Timmy since I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we lost my uncle. No, <laughs> You people who write those things. Number one, I hate you. I want you to know I really, really hate you. <laughs> And number two, I'm going to take my chances. That's what freedom is. I will decide what I want to do, and then I will do it. And then, here's the crazy part. I'll accept the consequences for what happens to me. Yeah, no kidding. I'll look in the cup. There's something floating in there. I'll scoop it out, and then I'll drink it anyway. Sure. Or just say, hey, kids, look over there, and throw it on the ground. (laughs) And I've given them 50 cents, and they're nice little kids. Right. Dang it! What kind of society have we built? Huh? I don't. I don't know. That, that one's just—it's—it's uh, it's hard to understand. Now, if you're a copper and like the mayor calls you and says, or the chamber of commerce guy, yeah, I need you to take care of this man. They put you in a bad spot, and I get that. But unless it's something like that, dudes, drive on. If you've got time to deal with that as a policeman, don't you have too many policemen in that town? Don't, there's got to be other things going on. There has to be. <sighs> Cup of justice. <laughs> That's hilarious. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.